Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Rob Longo. Hi, friends, and welcome to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of the Charlotte Hornets, brought to you by Senta. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates are the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of your Hornets. Rob Longo with you today following Charlotte's overtime loss in Minnesota last night, 126 to 120. Sadly, a silver linings edition of the HHC today. We'll break this one down and provide you with our top performers from last night, and we'll take a look at what this makeup of the Hornets roster and its current state will provide for Charlotte moving forward for a multitude of reasons. Helping me out on all these topics today is the coordinator of social media here with the Hornets, Wes Robinson. Wes, thanks for joining me today. Yes, another silver, silver linings edition, but but um, it's good to always talk some Hornets basketball and how we can take some lessons from these games and how we can move forward. So definitely good to join the show with you again, Rob. Yeah, so let's go ahead and take a look back at this one as the Hornets have had a few days off to lick their wounds after Saturday's game against Memphis. And Charlotte jumped out to a 5-0 lead last night but had to call a timeout at the 7:36 mark of the first quarter to stop a 14-2 Minnesota run. The Hornets turned the ball over early and allowed the Timberwolves to get out in transition as Buzz City was just 1-11 of from beyond the arc in the first quarter. But despite all of that, the Hornets ripped off a 16-4 run in the final five minutes of the first frame to only trail by three. In the second quarter, Mason Plumlee was the difference maker and gave the Hornets the lead towards the end of the first half. Pass to Rogier. Rogier cuts inside, leaves the lob for Plumlee, and he'll throw it down to put the Hornets on top, 44-43. That's seven for Mason Plumlee. Charlotte back on top after trailing by as many as 12. We were on triple-double watch with Mason Plumley as three players were in double figures for Charlotte at the break, which led it 58-52 behind a 34-point quarter. Neither team was shooting the three well, and there was some foul trouble for Charlotte, but the Hornets held steady through that second frame. Going into the second half, Minnesota got some bad news as Anthony Edwards was held out with an ankle sprain and did not play. The Hornets built up a nine-point lead heading into the fourth quarter behind 18 points from Terry Rozier. 
Then in the fourth quarter, Minnesota made its run. The T-Wolves had a 12-4 surge with 90 seconds left to take the lead, and Minnesota had nine offensive rebounds in the final frame alone. Miles Bridges went to the free throw line with nine seconds remaining as the Hornets trailed by one, but he missed the first free throw. Miles did hit the second, made it a tie game at 108, and a contested three at the buzzer was an air ball for Minnesota, so to overtime we go. In that overtime period, the Timberwolves raced out to a five-point advantage. LaMelo Ball fouled out with two minutes to go, and Charlotte was outscored 18-12 in the additional five-minute period. The Hornets now fall to 29-30 on the season. It's the first time Charlotte has fallen below 500 since the December and is also now 0-5 in overtime this season. Wes, this one felt like a tough one to swallow. Both teams blew double-digit leads in this one, and I'll give credit to where credit is due because Carl Anthony Towns had 39 points and hit some tough threes down the stretch, but all in all, this one felt like one Charlotte should have had. Yeah, it was one of those situations that um, over recent games we've seen with our team is coming out really slow in the first quarter, like we sort of did in this game, but we found a way to respond in the second and the third, and we were kind of just cruising all the way to the end where it seemed like we pretty much had the game on our side. We just pretty much had to manage the game, but we could not close that door right away. I mean, you got to give Carl Anthony Towns a lot of credit. I mean, he is an all-star. He, he is one of the best guys to play that position and knows how to score in many different ways. His size is something that we really couldn't contain, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything that we couldn't match. It was just that it just seemed like they just had a little bit more effort on the defensive end with uh, a lot of hustle plays. And the biggest problem that I've seen down the stretch is that we got out-rebounded by 10 in the fourth quarter and gave up nine second chance points that's a lot of that's a significant moment in the game where you're not shooting the ball relatively well you're turning the ball over but the hustle stats are always put you and keep you in games and that's exactly what Minnesota did and they just did that better than us tonight one of the other things that hurt was the free throw shooting this one kind of became a foul fest beginning in the second quarter both teams went to the bonus pretty early and Minnesota was in the bonus at the 526 mark of the fourth quarter at that point it was a 97 to 92 Charlotte lead so the Timberwolves were able to make up a decent amount of ground there in that fourth frame just by going to the free throw line they end up going to the foul line in that frame eight times were six of eight from the free throw line and that ended up being one of the differences at As a team, collectively, Minnesota went to the free throw line 43 times in the game yesterday. On the other side, Charlotte, it was pretty close, went 37 times. But the big difference was Carl Anthony Towns. He was 11-13 from the charity stripe. And, of course, that ended up being the ultimate difference when it was all said and done. The other thing that stings a little bit too here for the Hornets is that Charlotte is now 0-5 in overtime periods this season. If you go back to last year, the Hornets were one of the better closing teams in the NBA in general. They had one of the best statistics when it came to clutch time in that final five minutes of a five-point ball game on one end or the other. The Hornets usually came out on top in those situations, but this year is just something has been different. And James Borrego was asked about that after the game, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, just got to be better in those situations. You know, uh, for whatever reason, just got to come out with a, a more aggressive mindset to start those overtimes. But our guys battled, played hard tonight, put ourselves in position to win a game. I uh, had a chance with some free throws, some defensive stops, just couldn't you know, finish with the rebound. But uh, a lot of growth tonight, saw a lot of good. Wes, the other thing that stood out to me too with that said was the turnovers, the fast break points as well. Minnesota had 17 fast break points compared to only 11 for Charlotte considering that the Hornets like to get out and run. That's a little bit on the lower end. And then those second chance opportunities too. 17 offensive rebounds for Minnesota resulted in 20 points. I think at that point though, Charlotte might be lucky that it didn't result in more points for the Timberwolves. And one thing, you got to give a lot of credit to Minnesota because they're also 
um, one team that likes to get up uh, up and down the floor. And they're as we're the leaders in pace of play, I think they're somewhere around like four, four or five in that position. So they also are a team that likes to do the same as well. Now, they were missing an extra boost with Anthony Edwards, but a guy like Patrick Beverly, that's pretty much his game. It's just He's not a great outside shooter, but he just knows how to bring his passion and energy and hustle and getting the crowd into it. I mean, he, he knows how to find different ways of being a benefit to a team, and he created a huge spark for the Minnesota Timberwolves. For the most part, they seemed like they were just going to lay down and die and, and let this game go away, but uh, they found like an open window where they were able to just cut the lead down from 13, and they chopped it down to nine, and then, then Carl Anthony Towns, being the star that he was, uh, took over the game. He was only four for 11 from deep before those three-pointers came in the in the fourth quarter and in overtime. So he just knew when to cut that switch on, and he never gave up on his shot. That's just something that the Hornets is really going to have to learn how to tighten up is just understanding when you have a lead that large going into the fourth quarter, you got to learn how to move and find your possessions. And our lineup has changed so much this season, especially over the, uh, the last – few months missing Gordon Hayward, missing Jalen McDaniels, and also missing our defensive specialists and, and and hustler. Pretty much our version of Patrick Beverly and Cody Martin, the guy, you know, the guy who can pretty much get us going up and down the floor. He can handle the ball, he can rebound, he can defend, and he's also our our uh, hustle side stats as well. But missing those guys, we, we miss key parts of where we can we could have had the if we if we would have had those guys we probably would have been able to pull this one out, matching their same kind of energy that they provided to us. All in all, just a really strange game when you take a look at this box score is, well, the Hornets were the better shooting team. It wasn't by much, but was the better shooting team. Charlotte shot 41.2% from the field, 24.2% from beyond the arc. Again, just not very good three-point shooting. And then shot 75% from the free throw line, out-rebounded Minnesota 62-58 to when it was all said and done. Minnesota on the other side, 39% shooting from the field, 23% from beyond the arc, and 62% from the free throw line. The difference, though, is that Minnesota was able to hit 13 threes, Charlotte only hit eight, and then the Timberwolves were able to go to the free throw line an extra six more times in comparison to the Hornets. Once again, both teams ended up blowing double-digit leads in this one as well, as the Timberwolves led by as many as 12. That one was early, and then Charlotte was able to lead by 13. Most of that was in the second half, and it all adds up to a 126-120 to overtime loss for the Hornets last night in Minnesota. Of course, we still have more to talk about this one as we have to hand out our silver linings, and that comes your way next right here on the Hornet Sivecast brought to you by Senta. Cataracts made it hard to see clearly. Even movies were blurry. So I went to Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. Now movies are as clear and sharp as they once were. The doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offer cataract surgery using the newest technology and lenses with short recovery times. See like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Rob Longo and Wes Robinson with you here on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast presented by Senta. Time now to hand out our silver linings as Charlotte falls in overtime last night, 126-120 to 120 in Minnesota. Wes, as the guest of honor, I will let you go first with your silver lining. Yeah, I'm going with the big guy. This will be my first pick for the season for him. Mason Plumlee, with the, you mentioned earlier today that he almost had a near triple-double, 14 points, 17 rebounds, and 9 assists. And he had a phenomenal game, and 6 on the offensive board. So I feel like Mason did everything he could to pretty much keep us in this game and to be a facilitator for us. I think 
we created a, a, a different look and mismatches that we wanted to kind of confuse Minnesota with. And it's it, uh, kind of weird to see a big guy uh, controlling the point guard position like that. But it could also be a credit to Mason Plumlee's development of playing alongside one of his counterparts from last year before signing to the Hornets with the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic. I think Plumlee kind of learned a few things uh, playing behind Jokic, learning how to pretty much uh, take care of the ball as a big and know how to handle and create open possessions when you have a guy like Lamelo Ball who possibly needs a break to go down, or Terry Rozier who wants to slide to the two position. So it allows us to pretty much bring a guy like Carl Anthony Towns out of his comfort zone in the paint, and then Plumlee is able to create different opportunities for our guys. So I'm going to give it to the big fella. I mean, it was great to see him uh, be, be a to have a star-studded line, uh, stat line like that but I also would have hoped that he would have got that ninth assist. I know uh, it was a play that Kelly Oubre had just missed the shot. It would have been great to uh, recap this game to say that he did get the triple-double, but I'm looking forward to seeing more schemes like this where we, we will allow Mason Plumlee to bring the floor up and be able to create these different mismatches with uh, a lot of centers that we're going to face down down the stretch. So it was great to see him pull that off. Into the lane, head fake, kick out, Bridges, one more to Rozier. Rozier drives by Beverly, goes up for the right-hand lane, well contested, it's blocked, rebound, Plumlee, and he throws it down with two hands. Mason Plumlee definitely one of the top performers last night. And when you take a look at what he was able to do in the box score, it's really interesting because, again, 14 points, 17 rebounds. He finishes with nine assists as well. I was talking about it. He was kind of on triple-double watch for the majority of the game, but the thing that kind of slowed him down was foul trouble. He got his fourth foul at the 136 mark of the second quarter last night. At that point, of course, he sat for the remaining couple of minutes or seconds, whatever you want to measure time in at that point in the second quarter, and he finished the first half with seven points, eight rebounds, and seven assists. He had just a monster first half, was leading the team in plus-minus, was leading anybody in plus-minus at that point. I believe he was a plus-17 but the interesting thing is too he was only four or six from the field so he didn't have a crazy high shot volume but he was very efficient and the other thing too is and this has been a point of emphasis for Mason Plumlee this year is his free throw shooting he has not shot the ball particularly well it's almost at a historically bad rate but last night he goes six of eight from the free throw line so really impressive stuff for Mason Plumlee and the funny thing about this is too Wes is that he has two career triple doubles I did not know that I had to double check that with Sam Farber because I was like there's no way that Mason Plumlee has two career triple-doubles, but sure enough, he does. And ironically enough, the last time he recorded a triple-double was last season, right around this time. It came back on Valentine's Day of 2021 when he was with the Detroit Pistons in a 123-112 win over the New Orleans Pelicans. Mason, in that game, he went for 17 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. He became one of the oldest players to record a triple-double since Patrick Ewing as a center. So it's just really interesting stuff that it's almost like a year-to-the-day sort of ordeal. But all in all, Mason Plumlee with a really great performance last night. And we'll get to this in our third segment as well, Wes, but it seems like with the addition of Montrez Harrell that Mason Plumlee is able to play more aggressive and be more free, and it allows him to open up his game a little bit more as well. Yeah, absolutely, because interesting enough, it allows Plumlee to play at the top of the key where Montrez, where he likes to thrive at, is we were missing kind of a high-energy guy in the post, and we now got that with Montrez Harrell. So he's now able to go down, and he can bang on the boards and play with his back to the basket, where Plumlee can now maybe – maybe he's found a new way to contribute to the offense and being a facilitator uh, from the top of the key and bringing the ball up sometimes. So now I think they're learning how to complement each other in that way. 
And I think it's reserving a lot of energy that Mason Plumlee is going to spend on the offensive end and then also be productive on the defensive end where he has a person that could play alongside him who not only matches his size, but also his intensity as well on, on crashing the glass. So I'm very excited to see what these guys can do, find ways to complement each other in the post. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun to watch when they actually do figure it out. And this is something that we'll get into in our third segment, but I should have mentioned this in our first segment, is that the lineup was a little bit different yesterday. Still no Gordon Hayward, still no Jalen McDaniel, still no Cody Martin. All those players are still out. I don't want to say for the foreseeable future, but at this point with one game remaining for the All-Star break, you would imagine that Gordon is going to let that ankle rest a little bit longer. Jalen McDaniels is going to let that ankle rest a little bit longer as well. And Cody Martin at this point too, he's got that Achilles injury that's nagging with him a little bit. So he will probably not be playing tomorrow as well. Of course, we'll wait for the official injury report, but just the way that this schedule sets up where there's only one game remaining before the team has eight days off, you would just kind of assume that's what it's going to look like. But at any rate, the starting lineup from yesterday, LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges was at the three yesterday, and then P.J. Washington got inserted into the four spot, and then Mason Plumley at the five. So that allowed Kelly Oubre to come off the bench, who had 11 points. All in all, six players were in double figures for the Hornets, led by Miles Bridges. And then, of course, we'll get into this a little bit later, but my silver lining from last night, I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit. I'm going to go with J.T. Thor. Lamelo throws the lob to J.T. Thor, who drops Mjolnir on Minnesota. The hammer comes down Thor, five points, beautifully running the baseline and give the assist to LaMelo Ball, his fourth. So as much as that is a highlight for LaMelo Ball, JT Thor ends up playing 11 minutes yesterday. Didn't get a lot of action on the offensive floor. He was two or three shooting Ends up with five points, three rebounds, an assist, and a block as well in 11 minutes on the floor. So James Borrego kind of shortened the bench a little bit last night, just kind of the way the game shook out. But JT Thor getting some valuable minutes there, 11 minutes in total yesterday for JT Thor. Like I mentioned, Miles Bridges was in double figures last night. Also, LaMelo Ball before fouling out, he had 22 points. Terry Rozier with 25. Mason Plumlee with a monster double-double of 14 points, 17 rebounds, and an assist shy of a triple-double. Montrez Harold, that big energy guy, coming off the bench with 12 points. With all of that said, this Hornets roster and these rotations are going to look a little bit differently moving forward here. Despite the injuries, despite with the All-Star break coming up, things are going to look a little different. We're going to talk about how this roster has so much flexibility moving forward next right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, it's time to get some new gear. The best selection of new and classic Hornets apparel is at the Hornets Fan Shop, now with new extended hours. Stop by Spectrum Center Wednesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. to pick up the latest in jerseys, Jordans, and more. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 with just a click of a button at HornetsFanshop.com. An easy trip on the light rail, you'll be sure to find something for everyone at the Hornets Fan Shop. He's a difference maker. Um, On the block, he's going to attract attention. He plays really aggressive. He's a joy to play with. That's Mason Plumlee on newly acquired Hornet Montrez Harrell after last night's 126-120 to loss in Minnesota in overtime. Rob Longo and Wes Robinson with you here on today's edition of the HHC. It's all presented by Santa Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of your Hornets. Wes, we've talked about this a lot for the last about week or so. I feel like a broken record sometimes talking about it, but with the addition of Montrez Harrell, this team now has a lot of flexibility moving forward. We talked about how this is going to free up Mason Plumlee a little bit. We talked about how it's going to give the starting lineup a little bit of flexibility. Of course, like I mentioned in the last segment, still no Gordon Hayward, still no Jalen McDaniels, still no Cody Martin. But last night's starting five 
showed that this team has a little bit of flexibility, being able to move Miles Bridges to the three, inserting P.J. Washington into a more natural position at the four, also giving him the start as well. I just wanted to get your thoughts on what this move is able to do for the Hornets moving forward and what we can see as well from some of the younger players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, playing with the Charlotte Hornets and the way James Rigo likes to run his system, you're going to have to be comfortable playing two to three positions at any given night or different matchups or in this situation, injuries or whether it's COVID-related or anything, you know, that James Rigo sees that he wants to take advantage of. Uh, players have to be ready to pretty much do a lot of different things. There'll be a nights that you'll see where Miles Bridges is a jump shooter. There'll be nights that he's playing the four and he's, he's crashing the glass, right? He's getting 12 rebounds a game or you see Terry Rozier, who's uh, sometimes our you know our sharper shooter on the team, but then he'll be called sometimes to play point guard to back up when Lamelo goes to the bench, and then you'll have um, uh, many different looks. Uh, PJ Washington playing the four, sometimes giving us the small lineup look, and you'll see Plumlee go to the bench, and uh, PJ will fill in with the five. That's a mouthful, but it's just many different ways of how many of our guys can play many different positions. And a lot of our bigs are allowing us to be able to play fast up and down the floor, and we're still able to keep our pace going. And like We're not a team that likes to play half court. We want to be able to get up and down the floor. We want to be able to hit shots. And that's that's probably one of the biggest things that's, uh, that's been our Achilles heel over the last uh, couple of weeks is that we haven't been able to make shots. So we're trying to find ways that if the three-point shot is not falling, how can we get up and down the floor? That's from the one through five position that we all five guys have to be able to run down the floor and put themselves in a position to be able to score, whether, whether that's bringing the ball up, whether that's creating your own shot, whether it's running many misdirections, back doors. You have to be in a position to be able to either, either create an opportunity for yourself are you going to create it for others or in the team as well? Wes, that brings me to my next point. That's something that I wanted to touch on in the last segment, and I think I tried to segue it about as best as I could, is that these younger players that a lot of people have wanted to see and see what they can do in their rookie years or their second season, it's at the point now where this roster gives them the flexibility to play. You talked about it there about how the team wants to get up and down the floor. Of course, you know, the three-point shooting, we wish it would turn a corner a little bit, and it did against Detroit a smidge, but since then it's been tough going so far from beyond the arc for the Hornets the last couple of games. With all of that said, though, we've seen it in the past that some people have said that James Borrego likes to play small. I don't think that's the case anymore. It's more so of the Hornets and James Borrego's philosophy is they want to play fast. Again, Minnesota is one of the fastest paced, highest paced teams in the NBA, and we saw it yesterday, and we saw it, of course, with the Hornets as well, and they were comfortable at playing at that pace. But this flexibility with Montrez Harrell getting inserted to the lineup, it allows JT Thor to get in there, and it allows the Hornets to play bigger than they have before the last couple of seasons. And of course, that's kind of been an issue where before the acquisition of Montrez Harrell is the Hornets were playing some unconventional basketball almost without a true center on the floor. You had Miles Bridges playing the five, in a sense, a couple of times earlier in the season. That's not the case anymore. You're able to put Miles Bridges at the three where he's going to be quicker, he's going to be stronger, he's going to be faster than pretty much any player that's going to be able to guard him at that spot on the floor. You pair him with P.J. Washington. P.J. Washington has an off night. If you're switching up the rotations a little bit, you're able to put J.T. Thor in there. Heck, you're able to put Montrez Harrell in there as well. It allows this team to become extremely long, extremely tall, and still not sacrifice the speed that James Borrego wants to play at. No, absolutely. I think you're spot on. We used to have a lineup where we would PJ, put P.J. at the five, but we knew coming into this that James Borrego, one thing that he wants is, is he wants to have size. That's why we have people like Jalen and J.T. Thor and Nick Richards and Mason Plumlee, and then now bringing in Trez, 
we still want to be able to have that size because we're going to run into those guys like Carl Anthony Towns, the Joel Embiid's, the Giannis Antetokounmpo's. We're going to be in those positions where we're going to really need guys who can pretty much defend and disrupt what these guys like to do, which is play with their back to the basket. But uh, you said it uh, clearly that, you know, James Borrego has called upon these guys to not only play the center position with their size, but knowing how to get up the floor and also knowing how to handle the ball as well. And I think as JT is still flexing back and forth from Greensboro, I mean, we, we need him now through the injuries and situations that we're in. But I think uh, we're building his confidence up so he knows how to play in these different situations and what to look for when he goes out there so that when it is 11 or 12 minutes or if it's 15 or if it's more than that, he can see where he can possibly fit into the rotation. Is that JT playing the four? Maybe sometime it is at the five. And then maybe it's the three because, you know, he, we also know he has a, a, a pretty decent three-point shot that he's still working into his game. So it's all about building confidence. But we, like you said, like said earlier, there's so many different looks that we can create that will allow us to be able to play big. And we can also go a little smaller when we can play Miles at the four and PJ at the five. But we can go back and forth and just depending on the situation of the game and our opponent, and what's working that night. James Borrego is such a, a, a rhythm-flowing coach that he, if he feels like something is not right, then he's going to change it up, and he's going to try a new different spark. But if he does hit something, he does strike goal, he's going to run with it. He's going to stick with that lineup until something changes in the game. One more position to take a look at here, Wes, before I let you go on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast is in the backcourt. Obviously, we've talked about it in previous episodes here on EHHC about what moving Ish Smith in that Montrezl Herald trade means for James Booknight. We didn't see James last night in the game in Minnesota, just the way that the rotations worked out and the game worked out. James Brago, two days off, wanted to ride the hot hands with Lamelo ball and Terry Rozier but moving forward because Ish Smith gets moved out you got James Booknight that's able to move back in there get some valuable minutes allows some flexibility with the rotations as well because again you have Terry Rozier that is a very experienced ball handler he can move over to the one spot now and run the point in the second unit if you want to give James Booknight a chance to score off the dribble or off the pass a little bit more at that two spot instead of having to worry about creating his own shot multiple times where Terry is able to facilitate so like I said it didn't work out that way yesterday, but moving forward, this allows the team to have some more flexibility, which I think you're really going to need going into the second half of the season, down the home stretch, keeping players fresh and trying to make a playoff push. You're spot on with that. I can see Book Knight definitely getting minutes with the situation that we're in with Gordon and Cody Martin. We're missing those guys who will, uh, sometimes play that two position. This can now allow Terry to now play in the one as a facilitator, and Book Knight's going to get those kind of minutes. Like you said, I mean, last night was not the case. James Borrego saw something a little differently. Pretty much, I mean, in the second and the third quarter going into the fourth, I mean, we pretty much uh, were, were cruising away with uh, and being comfortable in a comfortable lead until the end that, you know, uh, Carl Anthony Towns pretty much kind of, we kind of shook the beast a little bit. But I don't think there's anything that James Booknight should be discouraged about. His time is going to come. And we've seen that many times uh, with so many different players who have come and gone in James Borrego's system is that when James sees something that he just wants to be able to try new things, and the lineup is going to continue to change because we don't know the timetable when Gordon's going to come back. We know it could be any day that uh, either Cody or Jalen can heal but after the All-Star break and these guys come back in. But Booknight's going to find his minutes and he just has to be ready when his name is called. Plenty of flexibility moving forward for the Hornets. And of course, that might have to come into play in tomorrow's contest. One more before the All-Star break against the Miami Heat. But of course, we'll save that 
preview for tomorrow's podcast. Wes Robinson, coordinator of social media here for the Hornets. Thank you so much for joining me today on the HHC. No, I really appreciate it. Of course, we'll have tomorrow's preview podcast. Sam Farber will be back with WCNC Sports Director Nick Carboni to get you set up for tomorrow's game against the Miami Heat. For Wes Robinson, I'm Rob Longo saying so long and thank you for joining us on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. And we'll see you here tomorrow once again on the HHC. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.